Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. This is a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like the Great British Bake Off, but with a lot more soggy bottoms. <laughs> it's not as much fun when there's not someone else there laughing. I'm Miranda Kane and I'm joined by a couple of experts on sexual health. My name is Mike Asher and I'm the founder, chairman and chief executive officer of Better To Know. My name is Anthea Morris and I'm the co-founder and director of Better To Know. What are you doing with the sex clinic? Explain your role with the sex clinic on E4. Okay, so Mike and I uh, own a company called Better to Know, and we are the UK's largest private provider of sexual health testing services. And uh, the company behind the sex clinic, Firecracker, uh, wrote to us um, because we uh, are specialists in doing instant testing. So we do uh, rapid results. You get your results in 20 minutes while you wait for eight different STIs, and that's what they needed for the TV program so that they can get the results for uh, their cast members uh, as I believe they're called when they come in and when they're in the studio. Wow, I didn't even know you could get results in 20 minutes. Well, you don't read our website then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is the website? <laughs> it's uh, bettertoknow.co.uk with a number two. Um, so that's for HIV, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Uh, Four of those will do a blood sample, so we just need a finger prick that we can do with a lancet. So it's quite good for people who are scared of having their blood taken. Mm. Uh, two of them need a swab sample. So for women, that's slightly more normal, and we're used to that, having a vaginal swab sample. For men, it's a penile swab, which is uncomfortable but not painful. So the only two that Anthea left off her list of six, which are the fundamentally important six, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, we also have two tests for herpes simplex. So we'll do a test for herpes simplex type one and herpes simplex type two. What's the difference? So um, it's the same family of viruses, but there are a number of different strains. Type one is typically associated with cold sores. So sores around the mouth and the lips, um, which is very common. Mm -hmm. It's sexually transmitted. Um, and then herpes simplex type two is more generally associated with genital infections. So where you'll get sores and blisters in the genital area. Okay. Um, the interesting thing about herpes is that those infections can uh, be caught in the other place. That is to say, you can have a genital infection from herpes simplex type one and an oral infection from herpes simplex type two. So that's interesting. And the rise in cases of type 1 genitally and type 2 orally is linked uh, in large measure to uh, people's changing sexual habits and increasing uh, uh, practicing of oral sex. Oh, okay. So, well, so yeah. it's just more people are having oral sex. Exactly. Yeah. And that's leading to... To the swapping, if you will, yeah. of typical sites of infection where typically type 1 was associated almost exclusively with oral infections and type 2 with genital. Now you'll see them uh, back to front. And we're also seeing that with syphilis infections as well. So we when you used to sort of think that your syphilis canker was a sore in your genital area, we're now seeing those becoming more commonly first seen in the mouth as well. Oh my God. Yeah. Now, this is something that you've, you've been going into as well, which is... Well, the... not literally going into... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I don't know. You might be into that. Um, but it, within um, within Better to Know, you've been doing a lot of myth busting around sexual health and STIs. Yeah. So I'm going to go. So because a lot of people, one of those things that I saw was that people don't believe that syphilis still exists. It's really common, and it's it's more common now than it has been for decades. You're right, no. though. I mean, syphilis is one of those infections that, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, associate with 16th century sailors yeah. coming back from ports uh, uh, afar. Um, but actually, it's really common, and uh, the rates are up by 15 20 percent um and it's it's shockingly common so it's not one of those things that people typically will think about but Mm. it's certainly something that if you're sexually active you should because it's a real risk is it treatable it is fortunately syphilis is one of the stis that's absolutely not only treatable but curable so if you've got it then a course of antibiotics and you're cured. But it's really important to catch these infections early because the consequences of an untreated syphilis infection are dire. Um, Quite apart from the sore and the canker that Anthony was referring to, which is unsightly, um, syphilis will progress if the infection is, is, is undiagnosed to all sorts of uh, uh, complications, including uh, organ damage. Uh, and in the worst cases, it can progress to a neurosyphilis where it's starting to affect your central nervous system and your brain. And if it's if it gets to that stage, then it can lead to madness and ultimately death. So it's mm-hmm. really important. But it's easy to diagnose. It's a quick test. It can take 20 minutes to get the results. Um, it requires a small sample of blood or a swab of a of a sore or a canker, yeah. and the treatment is very quick and easy. So it's it's a classic example of one of those STIs that you really need to test for it. And if you're negative, happy days. Mm-hmm. But if you've got it, by golly, you need to find out about that. It's eminently treatable and curable. You just need to know. That's why it's always better to know. Did anyone on the sex clinic end up with syphilis? No, fortunately not. They didn't. Um, but um, we did diagnose a number of other infections, but not syphilis this time. What's been what's been sort of like what's been one of the most extreme reactions to something where you thought, well, that's a bit you don't have to panic. It's actually quite treatable. Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of people, when they're told they have an STI, they tend to panic. Yeah. There's an awful lot of ignorance, if I can say that, um, out there. People don't know a lot about STIs. They're afraid of them. It's one of those things that you hear about, but you don't think it's ever going to happen to you. So when somebody's actually diagnosed with, with, with one of these infections, they do tend to have an extreme reaction. They worry. Uh, about whether their fertility is going to be affected. Mm-hmm. They're worried about the impact on a relationship. They worry about their life and long-term consequences. But that's where education and understanding of these things is so important. Getting a proper diagnosis means that we can get you into treatment or get you cured. And that's really how you tackle these problems. So with Better to Know, you send out, uh, you do, you can do the testing. Do you, is it where you can do like home testing or is it where you do it through other companies? So uh, you want to get tested, we'll get you tested is, is the message. <laughs> oh, thank so, you. So uh, if you wanted to get a nurse coming right here into your lovely atrium, we'll send a nurse right here into your atrium who can take your blood sample while you're talking to us. Wow. Um, and we can send that off to the lab and get tested. 
we can also do home sample collection kits, as you said, so we can post uh, a kit to your house. And we also have uh, 5,000 clinics across the world, just over 300 in the UK, where you can book an appointment with us at a time place and we will get your samples taken, speak to a lovely doctor, uh, answer any of your questions and get your results back for you. Or within like 20 minutes and then they'll... Yeah, not all the it's just the instant tests that come back within 20 minutes there's other tests we do as well and they take one to five days depending on which test that you want and they all go off to the laboratory for analysis yeah that's amazing like it 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 just seems like it's moved on we've moved on quite far from people having to worry about it's all just going to be like penile swabs or or anything and it's it's you know 20 minute pinprick blood test for something like hiv it's it's come a long way. I mean, my before I got involved and started better to know, my HIV knowledge was marked from EastEnders. Yeah, and um, yeah. that I remember that then, and a bit of Sex in the City as well. And it was all you've got to come in for counselling, and if you still want the test, you've got to come back the next day. And it was all what we call a ninety day test, so it didn't pick up any infection that you'd had in the previous ninety days. So you always then were advised to come back for further testing in three months' time. Yeah things have completely moved on since then so much for the better i think that uh no longer is so much counseling required before the test although it's still good advice if that's what people want and the reasons for that are the advantage that we've had in medication and treatment mm. because now uh the medicine is so good that people with hiv can uh become undetectable and therefore they're untransmittable infection yeah. on and they can lead a, no- a normal length of n- life we also do tests that start now from 10 days post-infection as well so you can get to know your results really quickly um, and get that peace of mind okay so i'm going to go through a couple of things um that that are quite common myths and i want you to answer them for me and and let me know your honest opinion so number one i should wash the inside of my vagina to keep it clean mike do you want to no i'll do that one um So the vagina is quite good at self-regulating. It it cleans itself out on its own. And part of that is it helps to keep the bacterial out. Uh, Your vaginal mucus will form a barrier between your cell walls and the outside world. It does help in some small way to help prevent infection uh, and sexually transmitted infections uh, getting into your body. Um, It's not fail-proof. That's why condoms are a much more sensible and a safer sex method. But if you wash that out regularly, you're removing that, that layer and, and it makes you more prone to infection. I mean, one of the other things that uh, is, is, is important to, to remember about not overwashing is that um, the vagina has its own normally or naturally occurring flora, mm. so populations of certain types of bacteria, um, which um, which regulate the pH uh, or the acidity or alkalinity of the vagina. Mm. And it's that pH that prevents or inhibits the growth of other types of bacteria that could do you harm. So along with the washing, as Anthea is describing, which can remove some of these protective secretions, you also have this effect of removing bacteria that are actually beneficial and that are keeping you safe by regulating the pH of the vagina. Okay, and what about the next one? The next one that I always hear a lot is, I don't know my STI status, but my partner is clear. In I'm going to put that in speech marks. I see you flexing your fingers. Flex- <laughs> You're not the only one, my love. I don't know my STI status, but my partner is in speech marks clear. So we don't need to use condoms. 
Uh-uh. What would you say to that? That's a good reaction. I like that. Um, uh, great that your partner is clear. Uh, just because you, so say you had chlamydia and you had sex with someone, it is not a hundred percent guarantee that you're going to pass that infection over. So uh, your partner has been cleared. How do you know that you are? When was your last test? Mm. Um, and how do you know they're telling the truth? Yes. Also, have you have you asked them what they tested for? Oh, yeah, that's true. And when did they test? Yeah. Yeah. Basically their last sexual exposure or encounter. Um, Because there's this thing called a window period or incubation period. And that's the amount of time that has to elapse between the moment of infection or not and when you get tested and whether the test is going to accurately detect the presence of that infection. So essentially, tests work in a variety of different ways, but the most common tests look for the body's immune response to infection. But that immune response takes some time to develop. So if you were to be infected this afternoon Mm. and you tested tomorrow morning, the test would come up negative. It would say you weren't infected because there hasn't been enough time for your body's own immune system to wake up to the fact that it's been invaded. Oh, I see. So the test would come back negative even though you were infected. Yeah. So before anyone can have a test, they need to wait the requisite amount of time which inconveniently can vary depending on which infection you're testing for and indeed what type of test you're having. Not all the tests are immune tests. Some of the tests look for the presence of the organism itself. So they'll be detecting the, the, the DNA of the bacteria or the virus. These are typically called NATCH, nucleic acid amplification tests. Yeah. Um, but in both cases, there has to be enough of either the organism that you're trying to detect or enough antibodies to that organism for the test to detect it and for there to be enough of these um, uh, detectable things, Mm. enough time has to have allowed to have passed. So for example, for an HIV test, you need to wait typically 28 days. And at 28 days, there is a 99% chance that you will have either developed antibodies to the HIV infection, or that the uh, HIV virus will have produced an antigen called the P24 antigen that is also detectable in our fourth generation tests. If you test earlier than 28 days, there is an increasing chance that the test will not accurately detect the presence of infection. So these are all factors. But these are the reasons why it's really important to speak with trained sexual health advisors, such as the ones that we have at Better to Know, who can answer all these questions and make sure that you're testing for the right things at the right time, using the right methods, Mm. so that you get the right answers that you need to protect your health. And what's that? So you have people on Better to Know, can people email in or is it a live chat or a telephone line that people can use? Yes, 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 yes. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And WhatsApp, I think you missed out. Oh, really? Yeah. So we we try to make it as easy as possible for our patients to contact us so they can ring us, as Anthea said. We've got live chat, WhatsApp, text, email, whatever you want. We try to make it as simple as possible. And in every case, you'll speak to somebody who's a proper sexual health uh, practitioner Mm -hmm. and uh, they'll be able to ask the right questions of you to get the right information to help guide you into getting the right tests. Okay. That sounds really interesting. And also like quite a comfort, you know, because sometimes you can be so panicked about something and you just want to talk to someone that knows what they're talking about, but without having to look on the internet without, you know, and having to hear it from 
Twitter or Facebook or right. someone who knows someone who had something. And the uh, problem with the internet is that a large amount of the information is now out of date as well. And you yes. often see contradictory information as you can with most health things. Yeah. And how do, is it possible for many people to make a judgment about which one to believe? And it becomes quite confusing. And that's yeah. why we're here. We keep our website up to date. We specialise in sexual health and that's what our, our staff are trained to do and they're happy to help. Now, I love this next one because it makes me sound like a superhero when I say it out loud. I can't catch gonorrhea from oral sex. <laughs> some people want to fly. Some people want to be invisible. Some people don't want to catch gonorrhea whilst having oral sex. Gonorrhea is definitely not something that you want to catch, whether <laughs> genitally or orally. But sadly, the bacteria will invade both parts of your body if you're not careful. Oh. It can even get into your eyes. It's, no. it's, it's it is. It's a it's a little bacteria that loves the human body and will set up camp anywhere it can wow. it's it's highly contagious so it's easy to catch yeah. it's easy to transfer from one person to the next uh you can get it uh, genitally you can get it rectally you can get it orally in your throat um so yeah it's a nasty little bug and the um the symptoms of a gonorrhea infection if you have them mm. are pretty awful um mostly involving large amounts of yellow and green pus <sighs> Uh, sort of pouring out of your body, which is never a good sign. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, that's true. <laughs> well, you know, in, in an ironic kind of way, it wouldn't be so bad if every time or every person who had gonorrhea had these sorts of symptoms. Then you'd know pretty incontrovertibly that you were in trouble and needed treatment. Unfortunately, even so, with gonorrhea and with most of the other STIs, most people don't have any symptoms at all. Yeah. So... You get this bug and you don't know you've got it. And that's the main contributing factor to the increase in incidence or rates of infection of STIs across the UK and worldwide populations because people don't know they've got them. Wow. And another thing with gonorrhea testing is that you've got to test test the place you might have gonorrhea. So if you did a urine test on gonorrhea, it's not going to tell you if you've got an oral infection. Oh. So the only way to know, uh, superhero, I can't get gonorrhea <laughs> in my throat. <laughs> Gonny well, girl. You've got to swab your throat. Oh my gosh. To find out whether or not you've got a gonorrhea infection after giving oral sex. And what about the, you said something about the eyes. Um, just... <laughs> It's what 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 do people have to look out for? In, in fairness, that's that's unusual. Yeah. Um, but it is possible. So you can see um, a gonorrhea infection uh, in uh, newly born children. So mothers who have gonorrhea and untreated gonorrhea when they give birth yeah. can transmit the infection to their child as they're being born. Um, as you can also transmit chlamydia, which is another common STI. Uh, as you can also transmit herpes simplex, either type 1 or type 2. Yeah. Um, uh, you can transmit syphilis in this manner too. So, you know, there's a whole nother side to STIs, which involves uh, women and childbirth. Yeah. So you, you, know, you really want to be sure that you're clear of STIs before you set about planning to have a child, both because it can impact your fertility and your ability to get pregnant, but also when it comes time to give birth, you want to be sure that it's all clean and clear down there because you could really be setting your child up for some, some nasty infections. Fortunately, in this day and age, and particularly in this country and most of the developed world, pregnant 
women are screened for most of these infections at some point during their pregnancy. Um, But it still happens that uh, some are not, and Mm. these infections can be transmitted and passed along to their children. Oh, my God. That's just something that I've never, ever thought about. Well, there's lots and lots of myths out there, and I'm sure you've got a whole list oh, of other myths to move on to. Speaking of which, I like it. Look at that. <laughs> what a pro. Okay, now this is something that I know we've all thought about and we've all wondered. Uh, only one partner needs to get tested after a threesome involving unprotected sex. I would say uh, probably not, no. Uh, or definitely <laughs> not, no. You don't know what each partner's bringing in. Yeah. Um, you don't know what each partner's doing because uh, the majority of people are never 100% honest about their sexual relationships and yeah. sexual pasts. Um, and as I said earlier, uh, just because you have sex with mom and someone doesn't mean that you are definitely transmitting whatever infection that you may have to them. Yeah. So if you have sex with two different people in one night, you may catch something off one it doesn't mean that you would transmit it to someone else because it's a bit too soon but you could transmit it to someone and not transmit it to the other one um and unfortunately health care does involve a bit of luck as well yeah. so uh i i would say that uh, if you are engaging with any form of multiple partners even if it's seconds in between rather than days or weeks uh you need to get tested regularly <laughs> it's not like lord of the rings one one test to rule them all no <laughs> everyone has to get it sorted i thought you were going to say something about whether you're the bread of the film. I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> He's done a lot of these interviews, isn't he? <laughs> One or two. <laughs> so this is something that I've heard from a couple of people, yep. and it's it's kind of one of those myths that has been going around for years and years and years where people think that just because they've had chlamydia before and they've been through the treatment and they've been cured, they think they won't get it again. Uh, unfortunately, that's absolutely not true. So um, if you've had a chlamydia infection and you've been treated and it's been cured, um, you unfortunately don't develop any level of immunity to it and you can absolutely catch it again. If you're exposed to it, you have just as much chance of catching it a second time as you did the first time around. So you really have to be careful. And this is one of the main reasons, again, why regular testing for people who are sexually active is so important. Mm -hmm. Because just because you've been tested once and found to be negative doesn't mean that you then can't pick up an infection just because you've had it before doesn't mean you can't have it again so if you're sexually active you should be testing yourself regularly so once every six months is a good rule of thumb certainly annually if you're just sort of uh, you know having a normal sex life testing uh, once every six months or once every 12 months yeah. is the right thing to do and this is one of my favorite ones because this is one of the ones that i grew up with in the 80s when everyone's a bit paranoid can i get hiv from a toilet seat no, you cannot. So, <laughs> so there's a bit of good news. Uh, you know, HIV is um, is a terrible virus. It's um, had terrible health consequences around the world for the last 30-odd years, 40 years. Um, but strangely enough, the virus itself is a very delicate organism. And once it's outside of the human body, mm. it's very fragile and dies very quickly. So as long as it's, it's, if it's not inside you, then the chances are it's going to be dead very, very quickly within, within minutes. So if somebody were to leave some secretions or blood even on a toilet seat, uh, that, that had HIV in it, 
literally within a minute or two, those viruses will have died and they're no longer going to infect you. So what you really need to worry about for HIV is a sort of real-time transmission or exchange of blood or other body fluids from one person to the next. That's when the virus absolutely can move from one person's body to the other. But once that virus gets out of the body onto a tabletop or a toilet seat, then you're pretty much going to be okay. So, But another myth that I heard is that someone got really paranoid. Again, I grew up in the 80s when it was absolutely paranoid central. And someone got really worried that if you shared a toothbrush with someone, now, come on, Anthea, that's got to be a myth. That that one is, you're quite right, that one's a myth. Um, so uh, the worry there is that the saliva on the toothbrush being able to pass it on. But as Mike said, that saliva is not going to live on your toothbrush for very long mm. um, and you're not going to pass HIV on through uh, that. Having said that, having said that, every silver lining has a cloud. Mm. And unfortunately, things like hepatitis B will live on uh, on surfaces outside the body. And hepatitis B is another very serious blood-borne virus. And that can be transmitted from person to person via surfaces or sharing toothbrushes or sharing razors. So again, it's important to understand that different organisms, different viruses can Mm. be transmitted from person to person in different ways. And whilst a toothbrush or a toilet seat represents very low risk for something like HIV, for the hepatitis B virus, it's actually high risk. So it just sort of depends on what bug might be there as to whether or not you're going to catch it. And hepatitis B is much more contagious as well because of the, it lives outside the human body for much longer. Uh, there's some studies that say it, um, it survives bleach. Uh, mm. And uh, it, that's why uh, a lot of uh, workers who come into contact with blood, so for example, all healthcare staff in the UK have to be vaccinated against hepatitis B. Oh. Uh, and there is a very effective vaccine for it. Yeah. Um, and that's because it is so contagious and easy, and easy to get and it yeah. can make you quite sick for a period of time. What kind of symptoms should people look out for? Things like um, aches, pains, Oh, that's just me. That's just well, yeah, you, you and me both. Um, uh, gastric disorders. So hepatitis ultimately will affect your liver. So you get these hepatic type complaints. Um, in extreme cases, um, you know you can start detecting sort of yellow in the in the whites of your eyes. Okay. Um, but um, but typically it's going to be feeling ill, feeling tired, yeah. feeling unwell. Um, gastric complaints are are some of the more common. Uh, symptoms of a hepatitis infection. But again, hepatitis B is one of those viruses that you should be screening for uh, as a matter of routine. If you're sexually active, it's out there. It's easy to catch, as Anthea said, and should be forming part of a standard or routine sexual health screening. So along with chlamydia and gonorrhea, HIV, syphilis and hepatitis B, that's a nice little package or range of tests that you should be getting for yourself every six to 12 months just to make sure that you're good to go. And uh, Mike, where would you say that people could get these tests again? Just just remind me. Well, there's lots of places where you can get tested, but we'd like to think that people will come to better to know. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, look, we... uh, the, the truth of the matter is that there are lots of places out there to get, get tested for sexually transmitted infections. There's lots of excellent uh, public services. The GUM clinics will, mm. will offer these services, the sexual health clinics. But that's not for everyone. So if you don't really fancy going to a public clinic, waiting in line, 
not being able to choose what tests are right for you, um, waiting perhaps a longer time to get your test results. And what you'd really like is um, a, a private, anonymous, or certainly confidential service where you'll have an appointment, get in, get out, get tested, get your results back very quickly. Then really the private sector is your answer. And that's where Better to Know really comes into its own. So we offer a slick service. You get to talk to sexually health trained uh, experts who can help answer your questions, get you the right test. We'll get you an appointment at any one of our 300 clinics around the UK or send a nurse to you or send you a home kit. We, so we get lots of different ways you can access our services. And for a little bit of money, will get you the peace of mind and the information that you really need to take care of your health. Thanks very much to Mike and Anthea from Better to Know. My name's Miranda Kane, and this has been a Good Sex, Bad Sex podcast, which was produced by Sam Bonham for metro.co.uk. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Good Sex, Bad Sex with a triple X at the end. And also, if you've got a question or a query or anything you want to contact us about, if you're a guest, if you think you would make a great guest, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at info at sexpod.co.uk. And in the meantime, we will see you next week.